Ladies and gentlemen, we do thank you very much for your attention, and now we invite you to sit back, relax, and enjoy. Welcome to our top travel destinations. I am your host, Kevin Flanagan. I have been editor of the weekly travel news column in the Sunday Independent and the Fine Wine and Food Guide. And I am here to use my decades of experience to help you know exactly where to stay, eat, drink, shop and explore when visiting the world's top travel destinations. So sit back and enjoy the wonders of travel as we take off on our magical journey together. Welcome to a special podcast. I have just returned this very, very day from Saigon, and I'm recording this podcast in Bangkok, a country that's adjacent to Vietnam. I've had a, quite a life-changing experience, actually, in Saigon. I don't know if you've ever had those intuitions in your life where you know you have to go and visit somewhere. You know you have to go and see this location. I had this with Saigon and Vietnam going back some time. Last year, I was to get to Vietnam and then had problems with my visa and ended up very fortuitously visiting Angkor Wat and the Killing Fields, the Temple of Angkor Wat in North Cambodia and the Killing Fields in Phnom Penh. That was truly life-changing, and I think this is the whole idea of travel, isn't it? That we take on explorations and adventures that are going to actually make a difference to your life and your perception of the world. So let me just explain briefly this preoccupation with Vietnam. I was a child of the 60s. The Vietnam War was regarded as the first TV war. Every evening in my teenage years, when I went home, you'd turn on the news and you'd see black and white reports coming from Saigon. You'd have these extraordinary names that sort of conjured up the whole feeling of the time. The Tet Offensive, the My Lai Massacres. It was something that really fired up a whole generation. And in the late 60s into the early 70s, this became a huge cultural phenomenon. You had the Beatles, you had the Summer of Love in 1968, which coincided with the height of the war. Remember, America had initially not wanted to get involved, had sent a few experts to help them out. But it turned out that by 1968, half a million young men. And remember, the average age of those people drafted in from America was 17 to go and fight this lethal war. And their color was usually black and poorly educated. So you get the drift of why there was this huge reaction. But I was completely mesmerized by this war and the politics of Nixon and Kissinger and the final debacle, which ended up with this incredible, powerful war machine that was American military might versus guys that were literally crawling around in tunnels eating rats. This fight was so unfair that the Viet Cong, the North Vietnamese communist regime, could possibly take on the might of America. And then you had these incredible movies like Apocalypse Now, Deer Hunter, Platoon, all winning Oscars, all anti-war movies uh, trying to espouse this feeling that you cannot go and invade another country. So there was this whole thing about Vietnam. Now, if you're not interested in the war, 
there's a whole other area that I'm going to share with you as to why you should visit Vietnam. I think it's one of the most interesting places that I've been. Hanoi, or the northern capital of the previous communist regime. Haolong Bay, one of the great beautiful UNESCO sites. Take the eyes out of your head. And then travelling down to Saigon, which was the western play city. It's so different and so unique. And I think there is so much to see, even if you've no interest in conflict. So I'm going to take your hand now as we go on this journey. I'm going to really dive into places to stay in Saigon, what to do when you're there. So Saigon now is it's officially named Ho Chi Minh City, which I've never really liked. The victors always get to decide how history is written and they can name the city as they wish. Ho Chi Minh was the famous Northern Vietnamese communist who decided he wanted to have, quite rightly, really, independence for his people from Imperial France and Imperial America, who had both invaded and caused a certain amount of mayhem, as we will find out. Saigon was always a sort of a standout place. It was the cultural, political and economic centre of the southern region. Like Korea, if you think of Korea, Korea is divided into south and north. The north is communist and a bit dour. The south is capitalist and all that goes with that. Very much the case in Vietnam only that the North won out and they did invade the South. They threw the Americans out and they took over. That led to a lot of pain and trouble. It led to starvation and famine. And the Americans, after being kicked out, took a vindictive stance towards Vietnam and the communist regime. And they basically told the rest of the world, if you do trade with them, you won't do trade with us. This caused huge problems for the Vietnamese, as I discovered firsthand. And it wasn't until 1990s that America changed its policy and the world opened up. And now Vietnam has become both North and South. You wouldn't really know on the face of it as a tourist that it's a communist country. You dig a little deeper and yes, you cannot speak and demonstrate and show your dissent. That's a whole different day's work. That's the reality. But having said that, Saigon has this incredible display of things to do. The first place that I would recommend you go to, whether you're interested in the Vietnam War or not, is a place called the Coochie Tunnels. This shows a little bit about human nature and how if you feel you've been abused, you will take action. The Coochie Tunnels, where the North Vietnamese or the Viet Cong, who fighting the Americans to try to drive them out of their country. And remember, America dropped more bombs on uh, North Vietnamese and Laos and Cambodia, causing mayhem, than in the whole of the Second World War. So they used their B-52s, they used their power. So what did the North Vietnamese do? Well, they only had a few rockets, propelled grenade launchers, and willpower. So if they were going to be bombed, they decided to create, I think, one of the wonders of the world. Coochie channels stretch for over 200 kilometers. They go down several different levels. It's basically a city underground. From here, they got right close to Saigon, right up to the border with Saigon City itself. And here they had hospitals, they had schools, they had kitchens, they treated those who were injured, they brought down arms, 
and they planned and they launched attacks. Now, visiting the Coochie Tunnels requires that you take a 45-minute taxi ride or bus ride out from the city center. And then you see something quite extraordinary. When I went just a couple of days ago, the heat was in the high 20s. And we're still in the winter season here, which is a very comfortable heat, I have to say. And you actually get this access to the tunnels that the soldiers of the Viet Cong, men and women, used. Now, it's hot. You have to go down these incredibly small openings because the Viet Cong were basically starving soldiers. An army lived on rats and rice, essentially. Westerners are bigger. We carry a bit of weight. Some of the tunnels now have had to be expanded so you can actually get down. But I can guarantee you it is worth the effort just to see the heat, the mosquitoes. Down underneath the ground there were scorpion spiders, poisonous snakes. They had to have, because the Americans used to try to search them out with special dogs they brought in from the States, it was the only way they could actually find the trace because they turned termite mounds and hills into sort of breathing apparatus. They put very well concealed bamboo shoots up so air could actually filter down and and up to tens of thousands of soldiers, women and men, served and lived under these tunnels. At night, you go down there, you join them, you see what it's like. I suffer from claustrophobia. It is challenging, but it is actually incredible. And you get to see how they emerged. They made their attacks. They retreated. They covered their tracks. They had things like shoes that were the wrong way around so it looked as if they'd walking away from where they lifted a lid to go down and covered it with leaves they put various things like pepper down to put off the dogs eventually the americans used to bring huge tanks in to try to crush the tunnels they knew they were down there somewhere because they come out and fight in the night and disappear literally off the face of the earth all the horrors of war went on but visiting the coochie channels is absolutely incredible and I'd very strongly recommend that. Another thing you can do is they have the Remembrance Museum. You get to see the American and the North Vietnamese approach, mainly through the photographs of some of the great war photographers from France, from the States, and from the North as well. And I'm going to post some of these images on the article that will go with this. This is a fact sheet that goes with this podcast. I'll post a couple of those links so you can see some of these pictures. Most famously, there's the assassination of a Viet Cong captain during the Tet Offensive. He was summarily executed in the street, and this was caught by an American photographer, which won the Pulitzer Prize. It's shocking, but it's incredible. This is regarded as the photo that stopped a war. Such was the power. It appeared on the front pages during the Tet Offensive. And then there's the girl who was caught in the palm attack. And you see her running up the street from her place where they've just been exposed to the palm and she's burning. And this photo, again, stirred up the horror of war for the American public and the UK and European public and really fueled the anti-war movement. So I'm going to include those in our www.thetoptraveldestinations.com website, which there'll be a link below this podcast so you can go and have a look at that. Now, to get away from the war, 
there are so many other wonderful things to see in Saigon. It's a city that's buzzing. I actually prefer it to Bangkok. Bangkok is a place that I love. I always come here, try to come here in January and it's cold in Europe, which I'd strongly recommend you, you try as well. And it's a great staging ground to go off to Laos, which I've just come back from, Cambodia, Myanmar, China and Vietnam. So it's a fantastic hub. Bangkok's very, very intense and very polluted. Saigon has a little bit more life to it, and it's cleaner, strangely. There is not quite the pollution, even though there's bikes everywhere. There's a great wonder of going around Saigon. So where would you visit? What would you do? Well, there's the Tan Market. This is a fantastic, bustling market right in the heart of the city. Yeah? An ideal place to shop for local crafts, clothing. Vietnam obviously has this reputation for knockoffs, which is true. You may make up your own mind on that. But the standout thing, as in most of Asia, is the street food. It is brilliant. But don't forget to haggle. I noticed that it's actually worth your while. They have enough English. Numbers are numbers. They don't need much translation. So go to the markets, go to the stores, eat at any of the street food markets. I'm going to recommend a couple of really interesting places. Another place to visit would be the Cathedral Basilica, Notre Dame. This is an iconic red brick cathedral. This is, again, the, the French colonial architecture, which you see across a lot of Vietnam because it was occupied and run as a French colony for many, many years. And you can see this old-style architecture. So go to the cathedral. It's near the Saigon Central Post Office, and it's well worth a visit. Another place is the Independence Palace. This, of course, has a huge history to it. Attacked so many times during the war and became sort of a symbol, like the White House or Number 10 Downing Street. It's now called the Reunification Palace because the communists now run the place. And you can see all the events of the Vietnam War unfolded here and it's a beautiful place to wander around have a coffee sit down and take it all in one place i would recommend is the saigon opera house that's bizarrely you may think but you can attend a cultural performance here in this fantastic again a colonial stunning french building classical music concerts and local dance but after you've tried these various outlets it's all about coming back to the street food. You've got these incredible dishes that are iconic dishes for Saigon, like po noodle soup, banh mi, this is a sort of a Vietnamese sandwich, bit tit nong, that's grilled pork with vermicelli, yum, yum, yum. And I love just a simple fresh spring roll from the street vendors. You can also, if you've had a long day exploring, there's a lot of massage parlors. Now, massage parlors get quite a bad rap in Asia, but you can get fantastic massage for very, very cheap. They do different oils, coconut oils, lemongrass oils, and a lot of them are very, very skilled practitioners. So choose carefully. I think that at the end of the day, you can afford to have a daily massage. A combination I love is uh, manipulation followed by oil. That's probably an hour and a half, and you'll get it for eight or nine dollars. Because Saigon is such a buzzy place, it's a great way to relax. 
Some other places I would recommend you spend time going to, pick one or two a day if you're there for two or three days. Chinatown or Kowloon, the, the bustling streets of Kowloon. This is where you can visit temples and you're going to get the Chinese Vietnamese cuisine, which is slightly different. Well worth trying. I hung out with some local Saigon people and we sampled some really brilliant stuff. And I'm going to tell you a little bit about that. And then you can also shop for traditional herbs and spices and, and bring them home. A park to visit would be the Taodan Park. Watch locals practicing Tai Chi. I joined in there. There's a wonderful atmosphere. It's a little sanctuary. You've got these wonderful birds in the trees singing their songs. And you're just away from the hustle and bustle, even though you're right in the middle of it. And at night, if you want something to do, well, there's a cruise on the Saigon River. You will really get to see how modern and Bangkokian Saigon now looks. They're skyscrapers, they're covered in these LED light ad displays, which are absolutely high definition movies playing deep into the night. And it's an amazing view and you get a little bit of uh, breeze on the uh, river. Just make sure you put on your anti-mosquito repellent because there are quite a lot of mosquitoes and you don't really want to end up with bumps. That's no fun. Now, another thing I really loved, I'm a coffee nerd, as you may know if you follow these podcasts and my Instagram and uh, Twitter feeds in the bottom of this uh, podcast information on Spotify or Apple or whatever platform you use to consume your podcasts. Follow me on social media because it's great to share this material, to share this joy of travel. And coffee is one of the great joys. And Vietnamese coffee, like Lao coffee, it has a distinct flavor. They have this traditional drink called Kai Pu Su Da. It's iced coffee with condensed milk. Not my favorite, but lots of visitors and travelers really like it. So give that a try, the iced coffee. Now, for nightlife, and we did sample nightlife, Saigon is broken up into districts. So try District 1, which is really the hub of nightlife in Saigon. You've got a variety of bars, live music. It's pretty vibrant, and there's both Western style, but they're very, very proud of their own Vietnamese pop rock. And you can have a bop, and you can do a bit of karaoke, which we did, and it's, it's actually fun. And then, of course, uh, during the day, Try again these museums. There's a Museum of Vietnamese History, which is really interesting because it features not just the war, but the history and, and culture. And then you've got your day trips to, say, the, the Mekong Delta, the Khoi Dai Temple. And then you may want to visit, if you are staying a couple of days and you want to get out of the area, you go to any of the good travel providers or if you're staying in a hotel, the concierge, they're very helpful and you can organize trips to places like Vung Thai. That will give you a change of scenery and you can come back that night to Saigon's incredible blend of history, culture and modernity, really. I don't think you're going to be bored for a second. Now, where to stay? This is always a bit of a tricky one. I personally stayed in the Allegon Saigon Hotel. Four star, fairly cheap as chips, does everything you need and it's right in the centre. You can go to five star, you can go down to three star, and you can hire sort of the Airbnb equivalent as well. I'm going to put a couple of links in because I think that there is lots of choice 
and it covers a very, very wide range. For example, the Reverie Saigon. This is a luxury hotel in the heart of District 1. I like this. You've got exquisite dining, stunning city views, but you will pay. Then you can have places like the Rex Hotel. This is, again, has a fantastic rooftop bar. The Rex is actually an iconic landmark in Saigon, very centrally located and convenient for exploring the city. Uh, For the budget-minded... Fangui Lao Street, this is again in District Wong. It's budget-friendly guest houses and hostels. If you're a backpacker or you're just, you don't want all that fancy, and I know people who don't want luxury hotels, this is a great place to go. Fangu Lao Street in District One. check it out. We've looked at what to do, we've looked at where to stay, and now we're going to get down into the really deep stuff of where to eat and again how to make the most of the street food of this incredible place i worked with one of the travel guides here i can't tell you how good it is to find a local guide they don't cost a lot my took us to the it cost maybe 70 dollars a taxi out to the Gucci tunnels and at night she took us around to this incredible place where it was built for American troops and we had a traditional dish a Vietnamese dish basically cooked by a housewife who does a little side her two side jobs are providing space for people to put their scooters and scooters is the biggest thing the biggest way to get around Saigon is by scooter on the back of a scooter you'd never drive it yourself unless you were absolutely comfortable on a bike it's terrifying and exciting both at the same time it's like a big dipper ride and I will end my conversation with a little bit about my own journey into the night on the back of a scooter and this particular lady provided absolutely authentic Vietnamese food you have these extraordinary herbs the lemongrass flavors the pork is one of the main ingredients you have an ice cold beer to knock it all back fabulous and you will find these spots as you walk around the streets and i would just jump in to any of them look for locals there were locals eating at may's place if you want something a little bit more non-street i could recommend pho ha pasteur this is the place that provides a traditional Vietnamese noodle soups is their mainstay. Phu, P-H-O, is the name for the Vietnamese noodle soup. And this particular place, restaurant, serves what are traditionally regarded as the best food dishes. And they are really worth trying. Then there's a place called the Ben Thai Street Food Market, which I actually found really fascinating. You can have these ban mi, Vietnamese sandwich, spring rolls. They're sort of a food on the go. And you'll find the street food market on Ben Than Street is packed with really good things. So make your way down to Kohan Street in District 1 and you will have a lot to choose from. There's another place I could recommend. It's famous for ban mi. This is a blend of very, very particular Vietnamese food try it go along and and try you'll see the locals again are the guide if you're going to try local dishes and street food and restaurants you won't go wrong and the prices are just for a couple of dollars you will have fabulous soups fabulous foe and the flavors will make you blink and i think that's one of the wonders of travel is you come alive when you eat other people's 
traditional local dishes. I couldn't recommend them highly enough. After you've eaten, you've had a little walk around, try not to get run over by the scooters, hopefully you've succeeded, then where to go and drink. Well, on my first night, I was right in the centre and I ended up in the Living Room Wine Bar, which is located in the Grand Citadel, Central Saigon. This is run by the owner, Trong Tri Tain. I sat down next to him by chance and had a long conversation. He's mad into Irish whiskey. Could you believe it? And Scottish whiskey. And I was able to share some of the whiskey brands and names that you promoted and uh, sampled over the years. It showed the interesting thing about Saigon society, that it really is communist by belief, dogma, doctrine. But you have these incredible Mercedes and Lamborghinis roared up outside of this very, very uh, trendy living room wine bar. And some very well-heeled people got out. So <laughs> it's strange. It's the madness of Saigon. You're in a communist city, but you've got someone in a Lambo drinking whiskey at $200 a glass. Figure it out. Uh, I love that sort of madness, to be honest. And I think Saigon has that sort of craziness going on. The Saigon rooftop bar. This is located atop the Carville Hotel. Again, fantastic panoramic views and great cocktails with live music. And that music has that little uh, Oriental Vietnamese flavor as well. One other place to try to drink is the Bien Ven Walking Street. This is a bustling pedestrian street and it's got bars and pubs and street food. It's a great place to just go down and just wander around. The Bien Walking Street is a, quite a happening place. I think you'll get something to suit your taste, your wallet and your interests. Let's move on to where to shop. Well, it, I suppose Saigon is actually a shopper's paradise. You've got street markets, you've got high-end boutiques. You have to face the, the fact that there's a lot of knockoffs and you have to make up your own mind about whether you want to support that or not. But that's your, your choice. As we've said, the Ben Fan Market has just about everything. Clothing, souvenirs, local products. Le Lai Street in District 1. Then you've got Dong Khoi Street, of course, the upscale boutiques, shopping malls. It's a great place if you're into fashion and luxury. And that brings us back to the hidden gem. The hidden gem for me would be uh, going on the back of a scooter. Now, on my Instagram, if you scroll back and on Twitter, I showed a couple of my experiences. I was very lucky. May, who was our tour guide for the Gucci Tunnels, Joined us in the evening, I was there with my girlfriend, and she played a trick. She got a friend to come along, we came out of the hotel, and she said, oh no, we're not walking anywhere, as I started to plod down the street. You're going on the, this bike, Cara's going on the back of that bike. We didn't have any choice, and that's the only way to do it. Because going on a scooter in Saigon is like jumping into a herd of stampeding wild beast. I kid you not, it's quite extraordinary. I have never in my life, and I'm sitting in Bangkok now and they have pretty mad traffic. It's on a different level. I've never seen anything like it. But strangely, both my and Tran, who I was on the back of his motorbike, fantastic guy. We had drinks later and I'll tell you a little bit about that. 
literally just roar into this maelstrom of scooters. If you get anxious, you're finished. So if you are very faint-hearted or, 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 or of a nervous disposition, you can't do this. You actually have to resign your fate into the hands of whatever power you believe is there. And I can tell you, I had the most terrifying fun I have ever had because, you know, you could die on a scooter, I, I presume. I'm, I'm not getting too dramatic there. But one of the big things is we came to this just outside of the hotel. It's a huge roundabout and traffic is coming from eight different streets. I mean, cars, but thousands of scooters and they don't stop. I've never seen anything like it, but you, you literally have people crossing in front of you, behind you, on top of you, and somehow they all, like, like uh, looking at a flock of starlings over the Vatican where they're making these incredible diverse shapes, and you think, how in God's name did they do that? But they do. And we stayed on. And I screamed at the top of my voice a couple of times, you can see it on the social media threads that I put out the videos. It's really the only way to get about. If you go in a taxi, you'll be hours waiting to get anywhere, as in Bangkok. Asia is not great for taxis. Get on the back of a scooter. You'll get there and you'll have a life-changing or near-death experience possibly in the process. So I would strongly recommend that as the hidden gem. Uh, try it. It costs very little uh, if you make friends. But that's going to be my final point when I come to my verdict on Saigon. Well, it's poignancy about Saigon because it is coming out of what was a horrific war. And it's actually worth uh, delving into a little of the history of the war. There's fabulous documentaries. I'll, again, I'll list in the um, fact sheet uh, to, so you can, in, it, you know, if you so wish, you could learn up on this incredible war where the poorest nation on the earth beat the richest and most powerful military power in America. Uh, how they did it is really quite extraordinary. The city now, it's 40, 50 years ago. The city's sort of coming back. I'm going to do a separate podcast, Kevin's Travel Stories, which you can listen to, where I had a very, very special experience. Uh, uh, something you probably shouldn't do in Saigon, but I'm going to talk about it on that podcast. But that podcast just reflects again my love of this city. I didn't know I'd fall in love with it. I just knew I had to visit but there's something about the fact that they're recovering. There's something about the fact that Saigon is, it was, was defeated and taken over by the communists, but it's kept its madness. It's kept its spirit. It's kept its sod you approach to life. It's really, it really is vibrant. It's so different to Hanoi from, from my experience of Hanoi. And I, I love the people. And though they are suffering still, and, and you know, money is always a challenge when you go to these Asian countries and how you make a living, but they have an indomitable, indomitable spirit. And that indomitable spirit took them to the place where they could kick out the greatest superpower, military superpower known uh, in the history of mankind. And that indomitable spirit is still there. And I would just beg you to just make friends with locals. They are dying. You, you've got an advantage as soon as you, 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 you rock up in Saigon and uh, you're a visitor. You're special. They want to talk. They want to make friends. They want to reach out and chat. And I think you will really, if you get to know some of the natives, go and drink with them, go and eat with them and get on a scooter with them, you will have the time of your life. 
And I mean that. Saigon, I love you. Thank you.